Hi, I'm Warren Davies, the Unbreakable Farmer, and welcome to the Beyond the Back Paddock podcast, where I have the privilege to be joined by some amazing people I get to meet in my travels and share their stories and wisdom with you. After all, one of the most powerful assets of any community is the shared wisdom, and the best way to share that wisdom is through storytelling. So sit back and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's guest is Dr. Marnie Lishman. Um, Marnie, thank you for joining me today on the Beyond the Back Paddock podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a real pleasure. Um, I've been following the work that you do, obviously, um, um, being in the mental health space myself, and it's very interesting to um, uh, watch your work. You're uh, <laughs> an author and a and a, a media commentator, so you're always your voice is always out there, which is really good. But before we jump into your story, uh, I'd like to ask you a question um, to see if, see what answer that. And it's sometimes intriguing the answers that come out of this question. But can you share a moment um, from your past that changed your perspective on life and shaped the person that you are today? Oh, that is a tricky one, isn't it? You've dived straight in, <laughs> so you dove straight in straight away. I think some of the, I, I think we could probably, it's probably lots of different incidents, but I've actually had quite a lot of people pass away in my life. And I think there's, there's, some, there's something about that, isn't there, when loved ones, um, whether they're friends and family, um, in passing, whether it's a sudden passing, whether they're sick for a while, there's something that deeply changes us when that happens and I think for me going through that probably in the last 10 years where there's a number of close people that for me that have passed away I think that that changes me considerably each and every time so each is each individual time but then the cumulative um, effect of that as well um, changes me but changes my outlook of life um, yeah and I'm constantly reflecting on that. So as a a psychologist and mm. and people's perspective of professional people is they're mm. immune to all this stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, this is not something that actually affects them because they're trained professionals. But how do you deal with with grief and loss? How you know yeah. personally, how yeah. do you deal with it? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because I think people forget that professionals are a person first and foremost, and we have our personal lives and we still go through the trials and tribulations of everything a lot of our clients actually go through. So, um, you know, for me, I really very much so practice what I preach. So I think, and I'm sure we'll get into this in, in terms of, you know, writing books and speaking and things like that, I think the power is in the, the storytelling sometimes more than the evidence-based information I give to people. So it's entwining that. So I guess giving stories of where I've actually used what I tell my clients to use. 
So those little tools and tips and tricks that I often will uh, talk to my clients about without revealing too much of myself and my own ups and downs. Sometimes I I, I, I chuck it in there if it's helpful. But, um, you know, as psychologists, we're trained to kind of hold back on giving too much of ourselves. But I really think we're in this space now where I think it's very important for us to kind of humanise our profession. And I think that's more helpful to clients sometimes than the actual techniques that we're giving. So I think, um, yeah, to your point and to your question before I keep rambling is that that I do practice what I preach and that those self-care tools that I give out to people is exactly what I'm doing every day. And that's, um, yeah, and you're not rambling and I'm happy for you to elaborate <laughs> however you want. That's what this, po- this, po- this podcast is all about. It's um, pretty uh, raw and authentic. So however you want to answer the question, I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, because that's one of the things that I'm really big on is, you know, even when it comes, I just actually come, I've just done a presentation this morning before we've recorded this um, with a local road safe authority and talking about like road statistics and it's the same as suicide statistics and that really statistics mean nothing unless it's actually impacting you and it's how you deal with it. And and I think yes. the important way of connecting the I suppose the the clinical side and and the and the statistical side is by storytelling I think that's where we have the most impact and the most engagement so you know I I appreciate the work that you do in in doing that so once we've got that question out of the way that's good (laughs) we may as well I'll, I'll, I'll ease back a little bit now we've dove right in the deep end but um can you tell us a little bit about your your background um know um you know how you ended up being who you are today and um some of some of the the journey as much as you want to share and uh, just give us an idea of of actually who Marnie Leishman is oh who are who am I who am I it's a it's a it's a deep question that could uh, yeah keep us going for a long time um yeah, I, I don't remember the reason why I became a psychologist. It's something that I put on a form. So there's obviously um, at some deeper level, maybe my higher self knew it was the profession that the future me had to be in <laughs> for some reason. Um, so I, uh, yeah, so I'm a health and community psychologist and I've worked in a range of different industries um, from developing government health programs like prevention programs to private practice to working in academia to being a lecturer and tutor and uh, so it's been a long journey it takes a long time to become a psychologist there's a lot of a lot of universities still paying off the fees (laughs) (laughs) still still got the hex and the pels debt going so uh, yeah it's a long long journey to become a psychologist so I've done a, a lot of different types of work around the mental health space as I became more credentialed over time. Uh, I spent, I had a private practice going for uh, over 10 years. But what I did find in listening to the stories uh, and the vulnerabilities and the themes that came up with my clients in private practice is that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on for people, a lot of individual stories, but some very um, similar themes you know whether it's people who are very anxious or people are really chronically stressed or people are massively burnt out so as a psychologist I think we get a really good insight into what's going on in the community 
And so over time, I transitioned to thinking, hey, I don't just want to work in the treatment space. I want to give people out in the community who probably would never go and see a psychologist the tools and techniques that I give my clients. So those people that are, that are courageous enough to reach out and get help for their mental health, um, you know, that that's only a few people. So many people will never go and see a psychologist so or a mental health professional. They it's difficult for people to do that. There's stigma, there's, you know, it's costly sometimes and sometimes people don't have access at all to those sorts of services. So I thought, how can I make sure that it the things that I talk to people about one-on-one, how can I get further reach and make a more of an impact? So nowadays I spend more time writing and uh, delivering presentations so that I can flip it a little bit and give people the tools they need before they think they know they need it. So media is great for that. Speaking, as you know, is great for that. And um, writing books is great for that. Yeah. Um, and so you saw, because that's one of the things that I notice a lot in in community communities around Australia, particularly mm-hmm. remote communities, oh, yes. in regional and rural communities, is that that access one mm-hmm. access to service, but two that barrier or that stigma. Um, yes. Have you got any ideas around how best to break that down and make that more? You know, we're trying to. To make this conversation easier for people, but there's this, regardless of the work that gets done, there seems to still be this stigma and this barrier yeah. of of, help, of of seeking help. Have you got any ideas around that and how we could make it easier, better? Yeah, I, I, and this is the the problem. I think. I mean, with it's not a problem. Um, I I think it just needs to be done better. So you know, you've got people in academia doing a lot of research out there about all the wonderful things that we can do to boost our mental health and well-being but it it doesn't trickle down does it to the people that need it a lot of the time so um a lot of the 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 jargon is hard to understand um you know it can be a bit daunting and scary and and the the information that's out there yeah there's there's such a stigma attached to uh, I guess admitting how you're feeling or being vulnerable about how you're feeling or if you're not doing too well mentally. So there's a combination of so many things and I think the the, the great information and the helpful information is not getting filtered through to in the right way. So I think what we need to do is really, you know, break that language down, talk about it, humanise it, uh, you, you know, j- just get it into the, the normal community way of being and normalizing how important physical looking after physical health because I think we do that well don't we we talk about our physical health with ease and we talk about physical health issues with ease but we're still not quite there with mental health and I think we need to break it down a little bit talk about it more um, have those open and honest safe conversations with people so that we start talking about it as though it's the same thing because it is yeah. And it is, and and yeah. and it's sometimes a question that that I ask, you know, my audiences of, you know, stick up your hand if you've got mental health, and mm. not ever there might be one or two reluctant hands go up, and we'll, yeah. we'll answer to that question is everybody, 
should well, be putting exactly. their hand up because everyone's got mental health. It just depends where you're sitting. Same as your physical health, you know, okay. you've all got physical health, but it's um, <laughs> you can be totally unfit and, and very sick or you can be, you know, a Mr. Universe at the other end and really healthy or really, you know, whatever. Um, it just depends where you are on the spectrum. spectrum. And I think that happened, that's, you know, same with your mental health. It's, um, it's really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you said, you're, you're a psychologist and um, media commentator, but you're also an author and and the, the and your book is um, Burnout to Brilliant or Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yes. Um, what what triggered apart from information sharing? What triggered that that process for you? Why did you want to get that book out there? And and obviously the title and all that uh, all that sort of stuff. Why why that book? Why that book? Um, like I, like I was mentioning before, I think when we and you probably find this as well when you're speaking to people uh, and they're talking to you after events and things like that. There's common themes that come up and I get that with my clients and I get that in the groups that I talk to is that there's common themes that are happening in different years. And, you know, if you asked me maybe five or ten years ago, I I think in private practice I would have said anxiety. You know, anxiety is the most chronic common condition in the world and that's what people were predominantly coming to see me for. But nowadays, and I think... Maybe it's coming off the back of COVID. I, I sensed it was happening because the economy was a little bit going a bit. People were, were struggling. I think a lot even before the pandemic hit because um, the economy was was quite strange. A lot of people were being made redundant and things like that. But I think something something happened. A big a big shift happened during the pandemic, and I think a massive amount of exhaustion, anxiety, depression. The skyrocket like combined and then skyrocketed in that time and I think a lot of people who've been had to try and keep busy through that time and but with all the uncertainty and all the stress and um, the unknown and the fear and and all of that combined I think what I've been seeing is more burnout than I've ever had and I'm sure a lot of psychologists would would say that as well and and I think I just thought we need to talk about this more. Um, again, like we were saying before, a lot of people won't reach out for help. And the more I can talk about this issue and how to help with it and also prevent it, um, either in the media or writing a book, is actually going to reach more people. Um, so it is yeah, just noticing what's going on in the community and saying, hey, we need to talk about this more and people need to read about it. So a bit like um, the word resilience, which I come across a fair bit in what I do, um, mm. you know, resilient communities and, um, you know, a lot of communities that I that I work in, if you call them resilient, they nearly throw tomatoes at you and want you to leave because you know, it's just that overused word. So burnout's one of those words as well. So explain burnout to me from your perspective. Uh I actually, even in the book, I kind of say it's just it's just another level. 
it's 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 not just depression it's not just anxiety it's not just stress it's not just fatigue it's almost the cumulative effect of all of those things so it's the mental the um, emotional the the physical and the spiritual exhaustion that one Um, feels yeah yep Um, yep. and so what are some of the symptoms that you might experience being burnt out um, well, I guess it, it comes off all of those areas. So, you know, if mentally not, not being able to think straight, you know, the, the brain fog, not being able to kind of concentrate on your work, not being able to problem solve very well, you know, decision fatigue, um, not making effective decisions because you actually can't think straight. Then you've got the kind of um, the emotional kind of uh, burnout as well or or those kind of signs and symptoms where people are just kind of more irritable than usual, maybe feeling kind of sad, kind of kind of almost jaded or a little bit cynical as well about the world and maybe their job or their their partnership. Then you've got like the, the physical kind of symptoms as well, which is sometimes, well, in most cases, just sheer exhaustion, not even being able to move around because you're that fatigued. Um, and, yeah, it's that kind of spiritual type of exhaustion as well where you're kind of like, what's this all about? Like I don't even know how to kind of design my life going forward. So it's like almost like this existential confusion Um so it's a combination of all of those things and, yeah, kind of just a loss of interest and pleasure in the activities that you did once find pleasure in. And I've noticed varying degrees of that around Australia because it depends. Oh, everyone felt COVID. There's no no question mm. about that, but it depended where you live. Obviously, if you lived in Melbourne, you're impacted a, a lot more than, say, where I am in regional Victoria to compared to where you are in Western Australia. Like it, there was everyone had different levels, but it was obviously mm. that. that ki- and as you said, and that's something that I think I've noticed on the back of multiple natural disasters as well as economy and then COVID, there was just that cumulative effect of stress, mm-hmm. pressure, which just yeah. sent people, some people into that unfortunate spiral that you know Mm. they found themselves in yeah um in your book obviously you there's tips and strategies but one of the things i I spoke early in my in this podcast series to georgie coglin who used to be on the project and Mm. and georgie i called her the the boundary queen because she loves setting boundaries and like as a MC and a professional speaker herself she sets fairly strict boundaries as well around herself which I admire for her but um, I think you talk in the book around setting boundaries or communicating those boundaries um, can we talk a little bit on on that and you know setting boundaries for yourself and 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 yeah. how to I suppose better look after yourself by setting boundaries because we all you know I know myself as as a speaker you often say yes a lot because yeah. you just you have to keep the ball rolling and I know in in you know in corporate world or in any job you know yes is the, the word kind of thing you don't say yes well someone else will come in um there's a lot of pressure and stress on it so talk can you talk us through a little bit about setting boundaries for yourself oh yes yeah it is it is something i i feel like every client that i've ever worked with boundaries comes up 
it's a it's a big word boundaries <laughs> it, is, it is like that that conversation and how to set them comes up I think for every single person I've ever worked with seriously uh so yeah it was very important that you know it has to be in a book about burnout but um this is the thing is I think a lot of us yeah we're kind of not that we're all people pleasers but yeah we want to conform don't we we don't want to make waves we want to make sure that the people around us are happy whether that's people in our personal life or our professional life uh so I think a lot of us are kind of just conditioned aren't we to make sure that everyone else is okay over ourselves but we've got to remember that yeah the more we automatically say yes to keep everyone else happy sometimes that's not going to be in alignment with 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 what is truly right for ourselves so in saying yes to to people automatically sometimes we're saying no to ourselves without even any thought of it and then feeling the psychological effects of that so and then yeah I'm talking to people you know uh, about things that are going on for them and how they're feeling and um, and if they're in distress of some sort and often it comes down to they're just totally out of alignment and doing things that they truly don't want to be doing so having that conversation about how they're feeling and why they are feeling like that and what they would like to do going forward that is more beneficial for them and, and talking to them about how to communicate that is so crucial. Yeah, and that's through and, and one of, yeah, one of the, the my three key lessons that I leave with my presentations is communication is key. Like communication yeah. is so important. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's you know I say my three greatest lessons, but they're probably my three greatest failures too because I didn't yeah. communicate about you know how I was feeling and 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 so forth. But yeah, it is really hard in a a full paced life, and it doesn't matter whether you're a a farmer at the back of Timbuktu or you're mm. a high-level executive in the middle of the city, world's a fast place at the moment. It mm. just seems fast. Um, yeah. That was quite evident how we went from January to Christmas last year in the click of a finger <laughs> and now we're at the end of January into February already in this year. So life just yeah. moves at a really fast pace and it's really, and it's really important that I think that you, you do set time for yourself and 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 be self-aware of of how you're traveling and um another big big topic and we've talked about this as with um you know what you've noticed in the community and what i've noticed but um stress and so what are some of the key strategies that we can use to manage stress in our life um to be able to deal with that a, a bit better have you got some key strategies that you um would recommend that people implement? Yeah, well, I think, you know, to, to your point, you know, it's such a fast-paced life that a lot of us lead. Um, it, it, I think that the, the, the big strategy first is even noticing that you're stressed. Don't you find sometimes that people are just go, 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 and they're not even noticing that their body and mind are telling them that they're stressed? So yeah, I like, think it's definitely like I know yourself. You get <laughs> agitated and you wonder why, and then you realise, well, there's a bit a fair bit of shit going on in the background here, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty stressed, and you know, but you well, don't realise yeah. it at the time. It just, I think it's an accumulated stress as well, where it just keeps building and building until, you know, you're not a you're not a pressure cooker and you haven't got a valve on the top of your head and it's got to go somewhere. 
Oh, exactly, exactly. So even before I, I usually get into the tools and techniques with people, I was just, I often say, what, what is your body and your mind actually whispering to you? Like observe what's going on for a moment. Just stop, you know. Is it, you know, have you got heart palpitations Are you or are you biting the head off your partner? <laughs> so are you not sleeping well? Like what what is going on for you? that your body is actually telling you that that stress response is on because there will be signs. And the moment that people can actually notice that that's going on, you're in a really powerful position, aren't you? Because then you can kind of go, okay, what can I do now? What are the strategies? And that's where those toolkits of things that people can do to actually de-stress come in handy. But you've got to be able to notice it first. Yeah. Before you, yeah, before you can implement, well, it's like anything, you've got to be able to recognize the problem before you can fix the problem. And yeah, yes, exactly, so exactly. Before, before you can implement those tools. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just sitting back and, and taking time to work on kind of a bit of a stress management kind of toolkit is really important because you want to be able to put those. Uh, you want to be able to recognize when you're stressed so you've got things to do so it's almost like you're treating it in real time but also you want to make sure that you preventatively kind of popped some rituals into your kind of schedule somewhere throughout the day or throughout the week so that you're almost maintaining that feeling so you're kind of building in a kind of a a mentally healthy uh, schedule putting all those things into your your kind of calendar or your schedule so that you're almost kind of preventatively managing the stress, knowing what your life is. So you've got to kind of treat it in real time, do something about it, but also have those healthy rituals in place so that it's kind of a a sustained management of those emotions. Yeah, Mm. and I think that's that's where that self-awareness comes in, that you've just got to make sure that you're, I I know it's a it's a a key strategy or understanding your emotions is a key thing that I bring up in yeah. my talks and and particularly mm-hmm. us blokes because we're not really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> understanding yes. those yeah. emotions and being more self aware of things that are going on you and your triggers, your positive and your negative triggers, so you can understand yourself a little bit better and then you can start implementing those strategies yeah. into into your um into your day that you can help navigate your way through and 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 the one thing is really important to understand that we're never going to be a hundred percent on top of all this we're human um exactly exactly and you're supposed to have all those feelings aren't you and you're supposed to have all those emotions um but the important part of that is recognizing them and being really curious as to why you're actually feeling like that and then because that's the powerful bit, isn't it? Is kind of going, oh, that feeling is an extension of an emotion. Oh, why? Why am I feeling that? What is going on for me in my life for me to be feeling like that? And then you kind of, then you can move into those strategies. Is it something I can do something about? Can I problem solve it? You know, what what is it? And what what are some of the things I could do? Or could I kind of reinterpret what's going on and change how I'm feeling? And that's where those kind of uh, managing your mind and managing your cognitions and looking for unhelpful thinking and you know challenging those those thoughts comes in handy and there's lots and lots of tools and strategies there about how to 
yeah, change the way you're thinking. And then, of course, there's those healthy rituals. What If I can't solve the problem and I can't change the way I think, can I do something to change the way I feel? Can I do things I'm interested in? Can I do some physical activity? Can I um, go talk to my mates? Can I you know, do something social? What can I do just to change the way I'm feeling? So, yeah, I think it's once you recognise those feelings, be interested and curious as to why you're feeling like that and then take that control. Can I do something about it? Can I re- Can I interpret it differently? Or can I just change the way I feel right now? Gives you and that th- power back. And that's what I was just going to say. I think there's a real, there's a real power just in recognition as well, in recognizing yeah. and understanding and having an awareness. And like I talk a little bit about, like when I first rec- or recognize, you know, my mental health challenges is if I go back to when I was younger, I was probably struggling with like so low self-esteem and anxiety at a really young age, but didn't have the tools or understanding of mm. how to recognize that. So then I didn't have any power over over it to be able to control yeah. it. And it just then once you don't have that power and you get into that spiral, well it takes over and and you're yeah. you're you're the slave, not the master kind of thing. So um, exactly. and that's really that's really important to to have that recognition, that self awareness. Um yeah. so coming actually happens sometimes when yeah you can't recognize it so this really does give the power back and so in your book you talk about um yeah designing a a, a, like a healthier foundation for your life how do we go about that how's the best way how do we do that uh yeah so so yeah like in in the book i i talk about how Burnout is like a, a personal adversity, isn't it? Because it is such a it's such a huge experience, um, and it's really heavy when people go through burnout. But I, and I found this with lots of clients um, over the years, is sometimes these challenging moments become uh, and go and, and going through adversity. Um, it's it can be a very trans transformational experience and something that needed to happen and sometimes when people reflect on that experience in months after they experience burnout or or in years they'll kind of say that had to happen because if I kept going the way I was um you know I was heading for a heart attack or you know something even worse than burnout and they say that was kind of almost like my brain and body saying stop and in that kind of experience, even though it felt awful at the time um, and they never want to experience it again, it was the moment that was kind of a catalyst for massive personal growth for them. So what I wanted to do in the book is kind of say in that space, you're going to actually build a better life as a result because burnout does hit you and it makes you realise what wasn't working in your life and makes you start thinking about what you need to do to actually be mentally healthier going forward. So what I wanted to do is make sure that people had that kind of reflection time but also start designing a life that is better than it was before they were burnt out. Yep. So whether that is making sure that they listen to, you know, like we were saying, listen to those symptoms, um, listen to those signs and actually start thinking about what do I need 
to actually be my best self? What does my mental health need? What does my physical health need? What does my spiritual health need? And what does my emotional health need? And start actually popping it into your life and ritualizing it as though it is as important as work, as a doctor's appointment, as a as a Zoom call that you booked in with your boss. Like all those healthy rituals need to be in there. Um, so it is. It's a it's a massive reset for your life going forward. So what I wanted to do is people, and that's why it's called Burnout to Brilliant, is making sure that people, um, you know, are, are coming back better than they were before. And before they started that, yeah, that journey, and and I, and I think that's really important to um, when you talk about those aspects aspects of your life. I talk about similar stuff, and you know, mm-hmm. rating yourself on you know your my wheel of well being, and and work yeah. out where you are on certain parts, so yes. you, you can understand how balanced your wheel is, and and then you at least you know what areas of your life you need to to be addressing or making yes. sure that you're you're working on to make sure that you yeah, that, that you can be and look yeah, and once exactly. again in reality and I'm a realist is that it's never going to be a hundred percent your wheel's never going to be completely balanced right. as always you'll work on one area and another area will drop off and you've yeah. just got it's a it's a continual thing but I think that's yes. I think to understand that you're worth that effort and like you said we do it for physical health we do it to make sure we're pleasing our bosses or who we're working for and all that but then when it comes to our mental health we don't do that and that's um and that's um yeah one of the things that we really need to keep that conversation going about is to make sure that you're you're prioritizing that mental health is there any other any other tips and strategies out of the book that you think or you you felt yourself are the key points that we may not have covered that you'd like to talk about? One of the big things I talk about, and I know it's very hard for people to do, but I think we're in a a space now in the world where there's an increased consciousness around it is just being real. Just just because I think in in society we put on a bit of a facade, don't we? An Instagram story. Yeah, we're yeah, we put on that kind of um yeah, kind of a, a facade on because we don't want people to know the darkness or the failures or the mistakes or all the all those parts of us we don't want. But and I think the time is ripe for us to kind of say, Hey, to be a whole human being, you need the light and the dark. You need the successes and the failures. You need the good, the bad, don't you? Like we're we're all of those shades. And uh, so I talk about, and I know we've got we've got lots of words that we've thrown today that is kind of all over the place. You know, whether it's resilience, and I'm going to throw authenticity at you as well because I think that's being used a lot. Um, and, and I do use the word there, but I, I, there's a realness that I think we're moving towards now and I think it's it's something that we need to do more of in, in the mental health space is to say all of us struggle at times. All of us will go through um, an adversity of sorts, whether it's a collective adversity or an individual adversity, and we need to start talking about it and we need to start talking about how we feel as a result of that. And I'm sure our ancestors were sitting around a campfire every night talking about what was going on. That's how we gained wisdom, wasn't it? Yeah. 
by sharing those stories and being real. And I think somewhere along the line we stopped doing that and we need to start doing that again. It's um, it's interesting and it's one of the – I've watched people – there's either one of two things happen, their eyes glaze over or they become really engaged. And I talk about in my my three lessons or my three failures and that's connection to community. And, but, and mm-hmm. when I talk about community, there's one real powerful thing. It's the most powerful thing in any community and that's shared wisdom. And I mm. talk, and I talk about way, and you, you're holding on to these nuggets of wisdom, and you, yeah. and as as humans, as blokes, as mm. farmers, as anybody, we 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 hold them really close to our chest, and but you never know that yeah. piece of wisdom you're holding on to could be the piece of wisdom that the person sitting next to you could be searching for all their life, and well, just exactly. by by sharing <laughs> that can help them move forward. Oh yes, yes. Um, I just feel like there's there's a pot of gold in every single person, isn't there? And I think people are holding back too much. Um, and I even find, you know, even this is what I, I don't work in private practice much anymore, but I still see some of my clients that I've had for a year, so I still see see them. But I, I, I also found that I, I'd be in a, in a therapy session and, you, you know, we've got lots of strategies that we could give out, but I, I did kind of sense that, if I gave a little bit of myself or my story or kind of cracked a joke now and again or or asked people and, you know, can I share something to actually help you, you know, from something that I've gone through or I've noticed in, in other people, I, I'd noticed that people would lean in. Yep. You know, so it wasn't just a textbook or something that I've researched or, you know, kind of a more clinical kind of, conversation I found that the more I made it real and authentic and with story that people would lean in and it would actually resonate more resonate more with them and I think um I mean you would notice that if you're you're talking to people you're probably sharing a lot of your story or other people's stories and I think that impacts people more than the other the more clinical kind of um you know conversations I, I i call it the white coat syndrome and it's <laughs> the ability to be able to take that white coat off and be able to share a piece of view which is the more you know as we just um talked about at the start it's that's the engaging part that's when you get people to become more engaged lock or to in. listen <laughs> yeah lock in and 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 hear what you're actually saying and and hopefully some of that filters through so they can then use that piece of information yeah. to help themselves or help someone else um i'm conscious of time and obviously hopefully i can pull all this together because we've um had a few technical issues but i think we i think i should be able to so i'm going to finish off with and and, I, and once again appreciate your time and your thoughts and you know as i thought when i invited you to come on the podcast i, I knew that there'd be heaps of wisdom heaps of advice and um you know, strategies for people to take out of just listening to you or, or if not, at least follow you up and, and maybe buy the book and, and read it a little bit more. But I've got some really random questions here for you at the end. If the first one, if the first one wasn't random enough, these will be random. So okay. first question I've got for you, if, um, what is a hidden talent or skill you have that most people don't know you have? Oh my golly gosh! What? 
these questions. I, hidden talent. Yeah. I, you know that saying from The Simpsons, you you can't make friends with salad. <laughs> you can because I can. am a queen salad maker. There you <laughs> Everyone go. loves my salad. <laughs> so there you go. That's that's the hidden talent. You didn't know. Yeah. Well, now now everyone knows that. So maybe your next book will be a cookbook. It will maybe yeah, psychologist cookbook. Yeah, yeah. how many vegetables you yeah, put into a bowl and yeah, make it, it taste good? I can that, do that. <laughs> that. There you go. You'll have to get onto that straight away. Um, here's the second question: If you could have any superpower for 24 hours, what would it be, and how would you use it? Superpower. Oh, it would have to be. I, I like the idea of the invisibility cloak. Yep. Because I like listening. I like it. You know, and, and one would hope that I like listening given my <laughs> profession. But I'd like to secretly listen, you know, yep. like secretly be somewhere where I'm listening in on people um, with all the rawness <laughs> and honesty. Yep. So I like, I like that. So if you could listen in, how would you use that then? How would you use that superpower? You would listen in, would you? What? I, I think it would give me deeper insight, you know, like because as a psychologist I hear stories and sometimes they take time, sometimes they take months to reveal, but I think behind closed doors I'd I'd hear it all fully um, quicker and then I could use that for good, you know, write more books. <laughs> write more books. After the cookbook, after the after yeah, the yeah, after yeah. the ten best salads in Australia book. Yes, um, yes. So, third question is: What goal or dream have you had since childhood that you still haven't achieved? Oh, goal since childhood. Well, yeah, you know, it, it, it's very cliche, but I've always yeah wanted to write books and I'm doing that now so I think you want something a bit more exciting than that um <laughs> no that's pretty exciting because as a person who wants to write a book I think it's a great achievement yeah. to have written one so yeah I'm quite in it but I often say to people my, my dream at the moment is to go and move move out of Perth and go live on the in the forest just surrounded by lots of animals so I'm gonna say that's one of my my dreams that I'm moving towards. I just want to write books in the forest, like, you know, Snow Snow White style with all the, the, the pets around me. Yeah, all those all those squirrels in Perth. That are, <laughs> you can get all the squirrels yeah, all the around. Birds um, flapping around, yeah. 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 All right. And the last question, I'm going to cut it down, give you, make you one more question. Um, <laughs> if you met your younger self, what would what advice would you give her? I would say trust, just, you know, slow down and trust. Just trust trust the process. Stop pushing all the time. Stop hustling. Just slow yep. down. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah, I think most people <laughs> would answer a similar way. It's um, age and, um, and experience gives you that to look back and you think it was yeah. all a hurry. And, and it is. It goes quickly. Life goes quickly, but it's not such a hurry. You've got to smell the roses along the way. You certainly do, yeah, in the forest with the squirrels. With the squirrels <laughs> and, the, and the salad. Um, salad and squirrels. Perfect <laughs> book title. That could be, um, yeah, <laughs> second, the next book, Salad the, and Squirrels. There could be the whole child book series as well. You could, you know, 
you're right now. I've given you all your authoring ideas now. <laughs> Great workshopping, great workshop. <laughs> yeah, like just send me the email when you want me to write the forward to the book and I'll I'll write shoot it through to you. <laughs> um, Marnie, I really appreciate your time. It's um been fantastic. As I said, like it's it's one of those things, burnout, you know, has been one of those topics that's come up again and again and again over the last twelve months in particular. And so to get some of your insight and knowledge into that and obviously you've got the book out there so if you want to give that a plug and 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 if anyone wants to make contact with you um apart from seeing you on channel nine perth and everywhere else that you see you in the media where else can they get in contact with you well like uh, yeah you could just google my name i think you'll find me on all the socials and yeah probably yeah lots of bookstores so just go dawdling into some bookstores and you'll probably find my book all around australia and um yeah otherwise it's marnie with a y if you google me <laughs> and i as i said i sent you a picture earlier in the week and i found you on yeah. on sunday walking through um Big W in Shepparton, and you were nestled up there next to Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you're keeping good oh. company on, keeping good company on the bookshelf. So you should be oh. proud of that. I wonder if he's. Uh, I wonder if he's uh, doing some bookstore stalks as well and taking photos of my book next to his. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think? More, more than likely, or I, sh- I should find out his email address and send that one to him as well, and then he'll go. Fant- fantastic, but uh, look, I appreciate your time. Um, thanks for coming on Beyond the Back Paddock podcast and um, look forward to catching up with you um, over in Western Australia in, um, I think, May or June. So we'll hopefully catch up when I'm over there. Yeah, excellent. Thank you so much for the chat. No worries. Good on you, Marnie. Cheers. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast and I appreciate any feedback and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of the Beyond the Back Paddock podcast.